defenses. Initiate bank protocol. Initiate bank protocol. Initiate bank protocol. Initiate bank protocol. What's good, ladies and gentlemen, friends and foes, theys and them, all all fine feathered fowl out in the world. It's Bird Protocol uh, with your hosts, Palm Reader and Otis. Otis, how are you doing today? Hey. Good, good. Uh, coming in hot off a nice, nice comedy set. Um, I think I don't know who knows, but uh, this one's for the children. This one's for the children. Um, <laughs> literally, <laughs> yeah, literally. I mean, it's for the children, but it's also for us. Uh, we missed last week because life uh, is getting a little crazy. But before we get into this, I just wanted to shout out everybody who's been listening. Uh, we've been getting a steady number of plays and we've almost tripled the number of plays we had in all of last year and it's not even june yet so all you folks yeah. out there that are listening to us thank you so much for listening mm-hmm. um it's uh it's it's super sick uh and i really appreciate it today we are yeah. continuing our uh, well i guess we really appreciate it the two of us not just yeah me, and me. also um uh, like like and subscribe and shit all that stuff on like spotify apple Podcasts, all that stuff because that stuff matters and algorithms matter like i know algorithms are fucking stupid and they're dumb and the whole world is kind of stupid but uh everything's dependent on, on algorithms now so the more people just like leaving a comment and stuff or like even just matters. like giving it us gives a, you, a rating you know if you enjoy yeah. our rambling about film video games tv our personal lives, music, all that stuff. If you like our content, give us a rating, give us a five-star rating, uh, and maybe more people will hear us. I don't know. But needless to say, we we appreciate everybody who's been listening. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I haven't and- checked, but I know last time I checked, we were getting some international plays, which is wild, which oh, is yeah. also we're international today. We are across borders discussing also international film. We're, yeah. we're fucking... We're global tonight. We're fucking pitbull. International, uh, Mr. Worldwide, Mr. Worldwide. Dale. Exactly. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, no, we got, we got people listening in Germany, Australia, United Kingdom, Italy, Netherlands, uh, France, Brazil, Japan, Puerto Rico. Yo, shouts out Puerto Rico. Um, Ponce. Uh, Ponce. Uh, we got Belgium, Denmark, uh, the States, Canada, Ghana, I made, did I say Germany? I don't know. The UK, Australia, we got people listening from all over the place. So, um, shout out you guys. Uh, and, and, um, you know, I, I'm hoping that by the end of the year, uh, we can surpass a a decent milestone. We're going to keep cranking out content for you. And speaking of content, this is week two or episode two of our, uh, Japanese cinema appreciation series. And, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, we're doing one for the kids, but it's also for the parents and also for people who just love good animated, uh, animated cinema, animated film, yeah, just wholesome content, just wholesome, lovely, fun, just, just you know, great. that's what I think. I think that's the best thing about Studio Ghibli is that, is that they're just so universally like. It it is it it is all while it is very much Japan and very much Japan. It I think all their films feel very universal. Like this one is just 
just a good coming of age story. And but like without the without uh, the pratfalls of a lot of American coming of age stories, it's a very clear mm-hmm. narrative. It's a very there's no like villain, uh, you know. There's mm-hmm. no like it's all about kind of coming to terms with yourself, but it's imbued with the kind of whimsy and magical thinking of, uh, of um, Miyazaki uh, Miyazaki's films and studio Ghibli films. Um, So, you know, I will, we'll get into studio Ghibli and, and all that stuff uh, just after we introduce the film. Um, But yeah, these films are pretty much worldwide uh, and a lot of them are very, very easily watchable. Some of them a little bit. I wouldn't take your little kids to go see uh, because you do. Yeah, have, some of them have some darker yeah, themes. Graves, and are, you know, a little bit Fly, more sure. Yeah, Grave of the Fireflies, even Princess Mononoke. Like the, the, some of the stuff in it is not uh, necessarily like, you know, it's not uh, all fluffy rainbows and fun, but uh, uh, mature themes, as you said. But this one is pretty much yeah. good for anybody. Uh, much like My mm-hmm. Neighbor Totoro uh, and some of the other films that kind of lean into the childlike wonder and whimsy, we are talking about 1989's Kiki's Delivery Service, also known as um, uh, How to Make It in the Gig Economy or What to Do When Your Cat Stops Talking. Um, I don't know. <laughs> there's uh, there's a lot of... Uh, this movie rules. Um, <laughs> My parents left, let me leave on a day's notice. Yeah. That's not suspicious. On the movie. Let me fly away on at 13 yeah. to move to a city to become independent. Times sure have Harry changed. Potter in Japan. <laughs> this No, nah, this movie is no. honestly, uh, all jokes aside, it's so fun. It's just a good yeah. watch. You sit down... You watch it. It's beautiful, just beautiful visually. It's the the animation is superb. The story is easily digestible and wholesome and heartfelt. And uh, it just bangs. It's so good. And so um, obviously directed by uh, Hayao Miyazaki. Miyazaki, I, I don't know how to exactly say his last name. Or I may have Miyazaki, been saying. Miyazaki, I assume. Miyazaki, yeah. I, I yeah. assume. Um and it was based on a 1985 novel by uh, Aiko Kodano, Kodono, um, and uh, it was uh, animated by Studio Ghibli, uh, and uh, it was the first film that was distributed in North America in a deal with Disney and Studio Ghibli, um, which then saw uh, later films such as Spirited Away, uh, Howl's Moving Castle, all of them getting the full press release in the United States, and Studio Ghibli mm-hmm. rising to... Uh, a level of kind of international acclaim. Um, but these films are technically proficient, visually look amazing. They're all, you know, you could say uh, Miyazaki is like, Miyazaki's one of the eminent uh, cinematic anime filmmakers um, and influenced ev- everything in some ways. I mean, anime has very quietly become one of the biggest uh, influences on Western culture, which is hilarious because it was created because of the influence of Western cartoons um, and comics. Um, it it it's I just can't say enough about. I mean, we chose this movie because we wanted to steer away from uh, the kind of expected conversations of Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke, yeah. 
all of the ones that are like, you know, people have the tattoos of and stuff like that. Yeah, um, you can go and listen to a million other podcasts about those movies and how people have broken down every single thematic thing about it. It's like, yeah, but the pigs, you know, that's capitalism and greed, man. That's why they're pigs, bro. <laughs> it's like, we get it, okay? Yeah, I'm not yeah. fucking nine. You don't need to explain imagery to me, you fucking nerd. But it, it, they're fantastic movies. Fantastic they are fantastic movies, movies but they've been talked to kind of to death yeah so. talk to death but i love them i do um, love them oh yeah all of them bang like all of them are amazing um and and you know you kind of have this some that fall in the line of for a little bit older uh audiences and some that fall in on the side of you know um kind of for everybody like ponyo or this or yeah. uh my neighbor totoro um and, uh, you know, Studio Ghibli has been around since 1985. Uh, and uh, it's um, just, they just put out quality stuff. It's, it's just quality. I don't want to rant too much about Studio Ghibli because, like, as, I, as Otis said, you can go anywhere and listen to people talk about it. If you are at all interested in cinematic anime, now, if you don't know the difference, animatic anime anime is something that you would see on TV. It's the kind of style of Dragon Ball Z um, where they are using less um, frames and uh, reusing cells and stuff like there's a whole, you can learn all about that. Cinematic yeah. anime is treating, is animating a full film at a steady frame rate um and is a much larger endeavor it it's a a whole studio will go behind it and ghibli was a studio that was putting out uh full blown feature films um and yeah. yeah and it's just every single one of them are pretty much brilliant. i don't think yeah the pretty much all their films have been more or less acclaimed like i don't i can't think of a film that they've ever put out that for people have been like this is bad like yeah. they've definitely have released films that you know people don't necessarily talk about and they're sort of forgotten about but like they're not like, bad they're and not all bad. their movies yeah. are animated like amazing the animation is yeah vis it's visually. to this day they still like have like are like they're made with love like i think the most recent studio ghibli movie i've probably seen is probably ponyo and like even that one is it's adorable like it's fucking adorable um it's yeah it's i mean i've seen i think i saw i gotta look at the actual uh ponyo was 2008 yeah so i've seen arietti i've seen the wind rises um tale of princess kiyuga Actually, yeah i think i may have seen the wind rises that may have been the most recent one i've probably seen though. um yeah and so he's got one more coming how do you live uh um and um uh of course in and and miyazaki was not the only uh screenwriter and directors uh in studio ghibli um, Grave of the Fireflies uh, and Only Yesterday were directed by uh, Isayo Takahara. Um, you have a bunch of different screenwriters working together, but uh, Miyazaki is like one of the main, um, one of the, the like one of the main guys. 
Yeah, it's basically like he, the the studio is very much sort of based around his style and like his sort of whimsical storytelling, his way of telling like fairy tales and folklore in a in a very lighthearted way and in times in also like a like for for younger audiences but like like we said touches on very mature themes and i think that is something that crosses all of their films and it's like even something that has now like been replicated across by like you know uh like pixar you know like every pixar film definitely has like very very strong themes yeah and I think that is very much influenced by Studio Ghibli and like how all of their films, I think all had very strong themes that were very clear and not like, you know, it's not, they're not preachy at all. Um, You know, it's not like a fucking episode of Veggie Tales, that's for sure. Uh, But like, you know, you, you feel good and you feel like you learn something and you feel like a better human being after watching these movies. Yes. And, and even, and there are films like technically Castle in the Sky is the first uh, film that they released Mm -hmm. uh, as Studio Ghibli, but the great adventure of Horace Prince of the Sun, go, Panda Go Panda, The Castle of uh, Cagliostro, which is um, Miyazaki's first film, um, Ghost the Cellist, and Nausicaa Valley of the Wind, which is a banger. That movie is so yeah. sick. Um, the Red Turtle, uh, Mary and the Witch's Flower. There's um, certain song or certain songs, certain albums, albums. <laughs> Sorry, films. my mind's films, 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 films. Can you tell I've been working on music all day? Um, there are certain films uh, that are not technically in Studio Ghibli, but they're kind of grouped together with it. Um, yeah, like, yeah, like even Oscar of the Valley of Winds. It, yeah, it's not technically, it was made two years before or a year before Ghibli was yeah. formed. Um, same with the castle of Cagliostro, which was made in 79, 10 years mm-hmm. before this movie, uh, that we're talking about Kiki's delivery service came out, but it is still considered kind of in the wheelhouse of Ghibli because of, uh, of Miyazaki and, um, and all that. I, I don't want to break down too much. I don't want to go too deep into it, but very much. I like that you pointed out, um, uh, uh, what is it? Excel. Pixar, yeah, I don't even know why. I was going to say DreamWorks, but DreamWorks, no. Pixar, uh, because Pixar operates in a very similar manner, um, and all of the Pixar films are very, very much Pixar films with a kind of unified visual style and um, thematic choices, and Ghibli works in a very similar way. You do have a couple instances where it goes kind of wild and weird, um, but f- a lot of it is basically Japanese lore, um, uh, and looking at kind of like, um, emotional themes, uh, uh, using, um, kind of surreal kind of like fantasy realism. Um, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of them have children. Yes, and are most child- are like children are main characters of most of these films. Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, and yeah, the, the I mean, there are so many 
good Ghibli films um, that we could talk talk about. But this one, we as we said before, we chose because not a lot of people have, I'm sure people have talked about it, but people will always go for Princess Mononoke, which I just recently rewatched after rewatching Kiki's Delivery Service. And that movie goes That's- hard. Like, it really does yeah. go crazy hard. Same with Spirited Away. Same with mm-hmm. Howl's Moving Castle. Like, those movies are, are they go crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, My Neighbor Tortoro is, also goes hard. That's yeah. not, I don't think, the proper way to describe My Neighbor Tortoro, okay. but whatever the happy-go-lucky, whimsical version of going hard is. Yeah, it, it, goes, does, it does that. that. It does that. Um, it goes mad soft, bro. Yeah, it goes it goes mad soft. Um, and t- should mention five of the Studio Ghibli films have received Academy Award nominations. Um, a Spirited Away won the Golden Bear uh, and the 2003 Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. Uh, they've won four films, have won Japan Academy Prize of, for Animation of, of the Year. Um, many of their works have won the Animage Grand Prix. Uh, these, all of them are, this is a very highly lauded, um, a very highly lauded, uh, uh, critically acclaimed studio and set of directors, uh, Miyazaki in particular. And I'm looking here, the lowest rated film that they've put out, um, was, I guess there were two... Two two yes. movies, Tales Tales from the Earth Sea, and Earwig and the Witch, both received uh, pretty poor uh, Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. Uh, you know, f- are in around 40, 43, 47, 45. Mm-hmm. Um, but those were not directed by Miyazaki. Uh, um, they were directed by Goro Miyazaki, not Hayao Miyazaki. Uh, and uh, pretty much all of the rest of them are between, I would say, uh, 86 and a hundred percent. Uh, all the Goro other... Miyazaki is the son of Heo Miyazaki. So, oh, well, there you there go. There you go. Um, you got it. There you go. Uh, and, uh, he, and those ones did not, uh, his films, uh, two films, I guess he did one other one that did pretty well. From up on Poppy Hill, uh, that one was uh, eighty six, uh, and so uh, you know that was that's pretty good. Yeah, but, but we're I don't know. Brown two- Tomatoes doesn't really matter anyway. So no, it doesn't. If you like, if you like, uh, see you Ghibli. Um, maybe check out those movies. I don't know. I saw one of the. Well, I didn't see it, but I just saw that it is apparently a computer animated one, which seems weird for Studio Ghibli to do a uh, computer animation. But hey. Whatever, all the power to them. Yeah, all power um, to them. But the rest of them, we're talking like 96, 194, 98, 195, 90, 85, 94, 93, 97, 100. Like, we're talking like upper echelon films, yeah. critically mm-hmm. acclaimed films. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and they, they're, they're, they're all, uh, as you said, they, they all go hard in whatever way, whimsical way. Uh, Studio Ghibli films go hard. Um, let's talk now about uh, uh, the actual director and writer um, Hayao Miyazaki. Um, he he was working at, at Toy Animation early um, 
he joined uh, Toy in 1963. Um, there he worked on a bunch of different stuff. Gulliver's Travel Beyond the Moon, Doggy March, uh, Puss in Boots, Animal Treasure Island. Um, he wound up co-directing Lupin the Third Part One. Uh, and uh, he just wound up doing a bunch of other stuff that led into... Um, he uh, it led into him directing his first feature film, The Castle of Cagliostro, uh, and uh, and he started writing and illustrating the manga of Nausicaa Valley of the Wind, which was then adapted in 1984, just before the um, formation of Studio Ghibli. So he was around for a while, working behind the scenes and kind of sharpening the sword, creating his kind of visual language, his type of animation, his kind of whimsy and themes that he wanted to explore before he even got to, uh, to Studio Ghibli. But Studio Ghibli is where he kind of like unlocked the like. Yeah, that's where, uh, that's, those were the keys of success uh, came into play. Um, before was just him just like gathering, you know, the stones, the Infinity Stones. But then when Studio Ghibli came together, that's just him locking them in place, putting them on. And uh, instead of uh, just making people disappear, he made love appear. Instead, yeah, he, he did the whole, opposite. Whole worlds yeah. appear and whole ideas and whole... It's, it's, uh, yeah, he just, he's, he just, um, he's so like, he, there's a reason why he's placed on a pedestal and why he's viewed as kind of like this genius because mm -hmm. really his films and his style, especially just before, um, Studio Ghibli and then throughout Studio Ghibli is, is impeccable. Like if we want to talk about Kiki's delivery service, you, as you said, this movie looks incredible and it's been what? Uh, 30, 99, whatever years, 2009, now? 2019. So 30, 33 years since it came out and it could go yeah, toe to toe. As old as you. Yeah. It came out. Yeah. I guess when I was born, um, it could go toe to toe with anything animated that I've seen lately and it, it would hold up mm -hmm. pretty well because, like, there's a lot of stuff oh, yeah. that's being animated lately that's, like, there's some cool things, like that Arcane TV show on Netflix. The animation is super cool. There's some stuff that's really pushing the boundaries about animation and, and coming up with new ideas. But then there's some other Oh, stuff yeah, there's there. sick stuff. Like, fucking Midnight Gospel on Netflix is fucking sick. The animation in that is tight. Uh, that show's uh, awesome. I would love to do an episode on that show. That show's sick as hell. Um... Yeah, no, there's a lot of sick animation, but, like, yeah, no, like, I don't know, you, you kind of get, uh, like, because the thing about animation is that, like, you kind of get, like, there's so many different, um, like, styles that you kind of just, like, kind of find a thing that you want. Like, there's people that really like the fucking, like, DreamWorks style or, like, the Illumination style and, like, fucking Minions and stuff. And it's, like, I don't know, I kind of am kind of sick of, like, the computer animation style. So, like... It's cool seeing like newer shows going back to like the hand drawn style. Uh, you know, I I just really like it. Yeah, and I and think it just I just think this this film like the fluidity of the animation in this in Princess Mononoke and Spirited Away and Howl's Moving Castle, but even the, but specifically this like some of the the, the scenes, the the kind of 
Um, uh, well, even like the very beginning when she's just laying there in the grass, like the blades of grass just blowing in the wind. Like the it's, it's so it's so it's just the anime. You can literally see every single blade of grass like blowing with it, yeah. like a unique. It yeah no, it's just drawn with love. It's it's just so and it's so the color the color choices the everything about the, about it is is just incredible and it's so smooth and the, as you said there's just a lot of love put into it and it just comes across as this kind of enthralling both visually and story wise it's very accessible and it just pulls you into this world of you know where witches are real and that uh you know there's obviously themes of of growing up and themes of industrialization and and versus tradition and all of these things that are interwoven within it there are layers to the film but it's so easily accessible and so easy to watch that it's not it never becomes heavy-handed it never falls into any of the kind of regular tropes or expectations of of kind of coming of age stories or stories about supernatural powers or anything. It's all very, it's, it's got depth, but it's right there on the surface too. And it's really enjoyable. Like mm. you can just kind of take it as it is and then think about it, but you, and and you're like, Oh yeah, now there's some stuff to it, but it's not, I don't know how to explain this. A lot of movies are trying to like really make you work to understand the metaphors or the things that they're talking about this film is just like, oh, I'm just absolutely enjoying watching this absolutely wholesome and fucking yeah. beautiful movie. And then afterwards you're done, you start thinking about it. You think back and go, wow, that was amazing. And you start thinking about it and kind of unraveling things and you go, oh, oh. yeah, it's like, it's such a good aftertaste. Because yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it, it's like, cause it's deep, but it's not like super deep, right? Like, um, for like, now, like, every movie has to have, like, a super intense backstory. Like, now, like, if they made Kiki's Delivery Service today, and specifically if it was an American studio that made it, like, it wouldn't be that she was just going on a regular trip of independence that witches do when they turn 13. It would instead be, like, her parents, like, were, like, murdered tragically or something, and she's been, like, an orphan, and now, like, she has to, like, fight for her life or something. It's, like... That's a bit too intense, okay? Like, yeah, it, like her just being like, yeah, I'm just going out and I'm just learning the world and that's what we got to do. Like, that is such, like, just a clear message and just sets the tone, like, for it. It's like her parents are like, this is something she has to do and this is something she's got to do, which is also just a great message for life, you know? At some point as, like, a teenager, you just got to go out and just kind of figure your own shit out. Like, if you get buckled down by your parents, like it's you can get it'll fuck you up and you'll lose a lot of good formative years and so that's also a good thing about this movie is that also like you know it's one of the few like coming of age movies where, like where the parents are just like cool like they're because they're just like yeah fuck yeah kiki go go learn your shit and then you don't see them until the end the credits end, we're like oh kiki's doing good awesome yeah and then, then another thing about it is that like as we said there's no enemy there's no antagonist mm -hmm. the only issue that yeah. that kiki has is that she thinks she can kind of do it without 
mm-hmm. facing any. It's kind very of, much a her versus herself. Like yeah. you know how it's like man versus self, man versus man, man versus nature. It's very much you know Kiki versus self in this one, and it's just her like just like you know dealing with her own emotions. Like you know she's dealing with a boy that likes her. She's dealing with having you know fiscal responsibility for the first time. You know taking care of her own apartment. Um, helping this pregnant lady and her husband and their bakery. Like, she takes on a lot of fucking responsibility, like, just on a whim. Yeah. Like, she just wakes up in a city, literally just wakes up in a new city after nearly getting eaten by cows. Not really. Not really. Just getting, just get, just getting a little lick. Um, but, sled. you know, she just shows up and she's just fucking ready to learn hence like you know what like that's such a positive thing like i don't know she doesn't the fact that she like doesn't have any reluctance and she's just like like i don't know it's like a good positive thing to just be like just go for it like well, just the, try and, shit and then the, the the issues that she does have are issues that are real things like she feels she wants to be able to afford more beautiful clothes and dress the way she wants but she doesn't Mm -hmm. have the money she needs to find a place Mm -hmm. to live and she happens upon this thing and which leads her to figuring out she wants to do this delivery service and the main crux of the film is she you know or the main issue that she faces is she loses her powers because she starts doubting herself because she took on too much which is Mm -hmm. like a real thing that happens to people when they you know, when you get out on your own or you start a new project or you get into a hobby, you know, you you go in headstrong and you get knocked down a couple pegs by realizing you don't really know everything and you're not in control of everything, but you got to get back up. And I yeah. mean, of course, the thing that gets her to fly again is her not wanting this, you know, the boy who likes her to get hurt. Um mm-hmm. And that's all playing into the kind of like, oh, young love, you know, early relationship part of it. But, you know, it shows that in necessity, you got to pick yourself up by the bootstraps and 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 do what you got to do. And even in the climax scene where she saves him, like she's fighting with the broom, which doesn't want to listen to her because, you know, she's still figuring it out. And I just think that it's all these things are just right below the surface. And you can watch this and like not think about that at all, or it like registers mm-hmm. to you, but you're just like, I'm having such a great time. And then afterwards, as I said, it lingers. It's this really sweet aftertaste where you start thinking, you know, about the visuals of it and the the themes and the stuff that's just there below the surface. But it's not like Inception where it's like you sit there arguing about it what what mm-hmm. each shot means or anything like that it's just there under it's a nice you peel it back and you see another layer of of thoughtfulness which makes these films so enjoyable to watch because it's not like you have to um you can actively enjoy watching it and talking about it but it's not purposely trying to be confusing or purposely trying to be overly deep or purposely trying to be to teach you a lesson by making yeah. it overly confusing. It's just like, it's there. You watch it. You enjoy it. It looks beautiful. The story is good. It, the, the narrative is is tight, tightly wound. It's simple, but there's a lot of layers to the themes and the things they're talking about. But you don't, 
it's not like you actively have to engage those while watching it, like some films force you to do. Um, mm-hmm. And you don't have to be a kid to enjoy it. Like, a hundred percent. And I mean, I guess we should say the reason why we're talking about, uh, I, I, I touched on it before, but anime has been become so, 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 so influential. And, yeah. uh, and it is, there are stylistic choices of anime that were made way before anything in the West um, that uh, were, were kind of like the adaptation of Western animation into kind of the Japanese uh, way of thinking and way of doing things, um, which has created its kind of its own language its own cinematic language and its own kind of viewing language and um i think it's so important to note that like that's why we wanted to talk about an animated film here and uh, as we had said on the last podcast we were we were considering talking about ghost in the ghost in the shell um yeah but there are so many other great anime films yeah the ghost in the shell akira um you know, as we talked about all the studio Ghibli ones, um, there's a bunch of other ones. And and like also like, you know, the television anime, I forget what you said it was called specifically, Uh, but like, you know, but like even stuff like, um, you know, how influential like stuff like Pokemon and like Yu-Gi-Oh were like, those were started as anime and sure. Yeah. They were whole brands designed to sell fucking trading cards, but guess what? It fucking worked. Like, I remember Digimon. I was in grade... Yeah, Digimon. Like, in grade five or six, I went to a buddy's birthday party, Jonathan Samard. And the birthday party was a Yu-Gi-Oh! tournament. So I had a fucking sick Yu-Gi-Oh! deck as a kid. And I wish I still had this deck because I made it all dark monsters and stuff. And I had like the sickest trap cards and magic cards. I actually was really good at Yu-Gi-Oh! It was the one trading card game where I actually learned how to properly play it. Like to this day, I don't know how to actually play Pokemon. I don't know anyone that actually knows how to play Pokemon. Like whenever I played Pokemon, no one used the fucking yeah, the, energy no, card. And energy cards were to wipe your ass. Like what? <laughs> the abridged version. People yeah, play, we just played the, the abridged, abridged dumb kid version where it's just like, okay, let's just do the simplest math possible. This attack does 70. You have 60 health. You're dead. Fuck off. But anyway, so we had a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament and then... The only thing I can't remember after that, we either watched Spirited Away or Princess Mononoke, but I can't remember which one it was because I was like 11 or whatever and I couldn't specifically remember. And, but anyway, so like, I don't know, anime has always been really like big part of my life. Like Dragon Ball Z has been like the fucking one of the, I've seen that show so many times. Me and Steve always talk about Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z all the fucking time. Me and you recently started watched some of uh, Dragon Ball Super, Super. which is crazy. It's mad racist. Um, Mad, yeah, hella racist. (laughs) Um, And then even on top of that, I mean, you go further back, you look at Cowboy Bebop, you look at Trigun, you look at things even more recent like Naruto, uh, Boruto, um, JoJo's Mm -hmm. Bizarre Adventure, One Piece, uh, 
you know, it just, it goes, and then there's all the stuff that's like more geared towards younger girls, like Fruits Basket and all these different, mm-hmm. like it just goes all the way back and it's so deep. It's so, it's so popular that it has its own mm-hmm. streaming services, you know, like, yeah. like it's, it's, it's in Avatar, the last airbender and Korra and all that, like it just goes mm-hmm. all the way back. Digimon, Pokemon, all these different yeah. things. And then there's all the movies. Like we had said, studio, studio Ghibli and all of the Akira yeah. and ghost in the shell and movies like the girl who leapt through time. And like, it just, there's so much there and so much of it has been kind of ingested into the Western con- consciousness and culture, um, which mm-hmm. is so funny because the, when anime and manga started, that it was, it was them trying to emulate the Western style. And so yeah. they took it, they took kind of the Western cartoons and comic style and emulated it in their own way took it filtered it through japanese culture and mindset and 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 kind of work ethic and the way that they innovation the japanese innovation and just there also as we had talked about with um our last film with throne of blood the kind of like artistic the kind of like artistic reverence for technicality and skill um came over into this into this realm which is why you have these studio ghibli films that are just so perfect they're just visually perfect framing the motion the way that they make the way that the that things appear on screen the fluidity of it it's just it's it's there's a reverence for the art and a love for the art and it's and it flows through um mm-hmm. and i think that it's just you know we had to talk, we couldn't have talked about Japanese cinema without talking about uh, anime. And I'm sure I've had some people reaching out saying that they really enjoyed the first, uh, the first episode on, on throne of blood. And they would definitely like us to do another Japanese month somewhere down the line. So maybe some of these things that we were going to talk about, maybe we'll revisit it a couple months down the line. We'll do, you know, Japanese uh, appreciation cinema appreciation month too or maybe we'll talk yeah. about you know some uh some different stuff some of the tv shows like dragon ball z we should talk about dragon we should ball. we should get steve yeah. on to talk about dragon ball that would be a wild episode um it's steve on yeah, yeah. <laughs> steve would drop fucking bombs the only thing is we just have to get steve to properly censor himself from saying some truly wild shit (laughs) this is going out into the public steve um anyway yeah so (laughs) i would love to have fucking steve on that would be hilarious steve's a fucking king i love him but like yeah no he knows everything about fucking dragon ball the whole fucking franchise like everything he's seen everything dragon ball Z, GT, Super, every episode, all the fucking movies. He knows all the canon. Like, he's insane. He's an encyclopedia of the fucking show. It's insane. And manga, too. Like, yeah. Kids, like, I don't think he's read the manga recently. I know he's definitely read them, like, as an autistic teenager, for sure. Um, 100%. (laughs) Yeah. So, we definitely had to talk about this, and we thought Ghibli would be the place to start um, because it is so masterfully done. Uh, and you know, um, and, and Miyazaki is, is one of the, uh, uh, you know, titans of, of cinematic anime and 
it's just so, you know, it's so good. But we, yeah, so we chose Kiki's Delivery Service. I guess we should kind of explain what Kiki's Delivery Service is about, a little bit about the film. Um, yeah. Originally in, in, in the Japanese title is Witch's Express Home Delivery. Um, it was changed to Kiki's Delivery Service uh, when it was switched over to, um, you know, the American markets. Witch's Express Home Delivery sounds like a real website that would exist today to like fucking... <laughs> mid 20 year old white girls that yeah. like listen to Fleetwood Mac and try to do spells in a bedroom yeah. and try to align with the stars and shit like they that. Sell, they sell I, the little necklaces that are pendants yeah. filled with like diamonds and sand. Or like, like it's probably a multi-level marketing website. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. Um, it's uh, it came out in 1989. As we said, it, it was written, uh, produced and directed by Hayao Miyazaki uh, adapted from a novel. Um, uh, the uh, uh, in the film, uh, well, it was released in July 29th, 1989 in Japan. It won the anime, animage, 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 I don't know what it is, uh, anime grand prix prize. It was the first film released under the distri- distribution partnership between the Walt Disney Company and Studio Ghibli. Um, the uh, Walt Disney Pictures produced an English dub in 97. Um, which uh, was premiered in the United States theaters at Seattle International Film Festival, um, and uh, so so it came out. It came out. It was distributed in Japanese with subtitles. Mm-hmm. Um, I've when- also got to make note that I think I've only seen the English versions of these movies. For the well, I've only I've only ever watched the Japanese one with uh, with subtitles. I don't know. I find feel I feel weird watching the English dub of of this movie. I tried. I started watching it, and I was like, I just I don't. It just I didn't. I couldn't do it. Really? Because that's how I always watch it was with the English version. So like, he like Kirsten Dunst like and like the way Gigi sounds like Phil Hartman like that's how this movie has always been to me. And that's the thing that's cool is that that's also I love the interesting this. thing is that with international films and with these ones like like uh like i don't i I've, like with animation like i don't know I, like i don't mind dubs like on live action yes i always do subtitles with live action but like with these ones i feel like the animation has been like it's been synced up properly to go with the english versions and i think yeah, i've just like i don't know that those are just the versions i feel like i've always seen of these ones but yeah, so you've only watched the subtitles. I, I watched some of the English dub of this, but then I was just like, I'm going to go back and watch the subtitle one. No offense to to, to Kirsten Dunst and, and, and Phil Hartman. I love Phil Hartman as Gigi. I think that that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. But I just, I went back and watched the actual uh, Japanese version with the subtitles. Um, uh, the um, So there's a... Uh, uh, a uh, and then there's also an English ver- version that's dubbed from 1990 uh, that was done by Streamline Pictures. Uh, it's like a UK version, um, yeah. which has a different whole different cast. Mm-hmm. But we'll say what yeah. the plot is so, so you guys understand. Um, Kiki, she's a 13 year old witch. She lives in this like little town with her mom, who's also a witch. Uh, and as is traditional for trainee witches, uh, you have to leave your home 
uh, for a year and strike out on your own to gain independence. And I guess if you go wherever you go and you like it, you just stay there. And if you go where you look, go and you don't like it, you can come home. You can go back to your village. So she decides it's a nice night. She was going to originally going to leave a week later, but it's a nice night. And there's no bad full moon. It's full moon. all witchy business. So she's like, I'm going to go tonight, mom. Dad, I'm going to go tonight. I feel bad for her dad because her dad pulls up and he's got all this camping gear. And she's like, I'm leaving tonight. He's like, what yeah, they're camping? supposed to go camping, and she's just like, "Fuck the camping trip." But he's like totally even... cool about it. That's oh yeah, the thing. he goes like... into the room and like lifts her up and tells her he loves her, and it's real wholesome. It's real, real wholesome. It's like it's it's real wholesome. Uh, yeah. It'll make you it'll make you shed a, shed a thug tear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so she heads she heads off into the night with her black cat Gigi, who uh, who talks to her mm-hmm. um and uh she gets on her broomstick and uh she uh she flies out there um and then a storm shows up she runs into another witch who's kind of like stuck up she's not very nice yeah um, she's a dick yeah she's not really because like, like kiki's your- flying and kiki flies with her radio because kiki's cool and like you know who wouldn't like if Kiki was a modern day witch, she'd probably be listening to like last podcast on the left, just be like, "Hell yeah, this is riding along." But then this other witch is like, "I ride in silence," and even her cat sucks. Yeah, and like um, you know, yeah, that's the thing. Just, she's just kind of stuck up. And the other thing yeah. too is, it's like there's a whole sky. Like just move, just fly a little bit over. You know what I mean? Like it'd be different if they were on like a, a, in on like an Uber. You know, if they both got into the same Uber and she was just listening to like music on her phone really loud. Yeah. And then, and then she's like, yo, can you turn off the music on your phone? But you're on a broom. Like you could just like fly like a mile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not like you're stuck with the dude on the bus that's yeah. listening to Eminem way too loud. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, dude, why do you need Eminem this loud? Yeah. Like this is unreasonable. It's, it's 9 a.m. Why are you listening also, to Eminem? <laughs> anime music is so fucking awesome like yeah, it, it is, is so intense for no reason like whatever emotion it's trying to convey like the music is like 10 times way more intense like it's just like if it's just trying to be happy it's like and then there's a fucking guitar solo over top of it an asian girl singing like i don't know what the lyrics but sounds like the happiest shit ever like it all sounds like super like um like in Super Mario Odyssey has the wildest music and it all reminds me of like that and it's like also well, even- it also has the I love the stereotype of of uh you know of how like uh the intros for animes are like super intense and like crazy and then like the outros like the end credits are like just really like slow and somber yeah I and love like, that. It's uh, as when you're just saying that, that always makes me think of um, the song when you start up a Pokemon game. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. And they just, it's really, it's really, really, I like the, it's very emotive, as you said. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so she passes by this, uh, this, this other stuck up witch and the witch kind of is like, okay, I'm going down to my town where I I'm in this town by, uh, and then, uh, and then it starts to rain 
So Kiki goes and she finds a train that is parked and it's, uh, seems to be filled with wheat. So she gets on the wheat and she falls asleep. Uh, cause it's the middle of the night. There's a storm. So she, she and Gigi fall asleep. She wakes up because her foot falls through the bottom and it's a, a car full of uh, cows, uh, cattle and they're licking her foot and it's all very you know whimsical and fun and wholesome uh, and then she apologizes to the cows for uh for for bothering them sleeping their, in their food yeah for sleeping in their food and for bothering them and then she flies out of the thing and she finds herself uh on uh in the port city of Corico and she had said to Gigi that she wanted to go somewhere and to her parents that she wanted to go somewhere near the ocean that she just wanted to be there so She's flying around the city uh, and uh, she's she's checking it out. She's looking at stuff and people aren't really into it because it's like a big city. It's like a bustling city. They don't really care about witches, even though she just like flew through the street and landed on the ground. People, they just seem like they're more scared. Oh, nearly causes a multi-car like pile up and like just just like plays it off like that's the thing like she uh destroyed this town upon entering it and she should have been arrested nearly was and uh but she got away with it um, yeah because because tombo a boy who had seen her fly uh and he himself is obsessed with aviation and flying um saw her fly by and saw her get in trouble and then uh created a false uh, you know started shouting that there was a thief uh, so that the police officer would run away from her. She does nearly get arrested, which I mean, you know, she did, as you said, come in hot. Um, so she goes around and she's looking for a while, trying to find a place to live uh, and uh, and trying to find something to do for work. It's her first, first day. Excuse me. It's obviously very overwhelming. She's a little bit dejected. She can't eat her sandwich. Um, and then uh, she happens to run into uh, uh, a... Uh, come by a bakery um where uh, a sono uh, a pregnant bakery owner um comes out to try and give a uh, a woman her baby's um what, what do you call them pacifier uh yes that the baby mm-hmm. had thrown on the floor and the suck yeah the suck um the and so the uh she's trying to reach her but she's pregnant she can't the woman's like far down she's already made it down this the the wall the stairs she's like down in the bottom there's like a low uh, this the bakery's on like a higher part of the town and uh mm. so kiki says oh i'll take it to her because you know i'm i can fly i'll take it to her so she takes it down to the to the lady and she comes back and and uh and and uh asono says you can stay here with us if you help out around the bakery and you know maybe you can start a job as as doing deliveries because you can fly and people need stuff delivered like that would be sick so they kind of this love lovely woman this lovely bakery owner um takes her in gives her a place to stay says oh you just have to help around the bakery and you can run your business out of my bakery which is like the kindest thing and like kindest thing in the world i can't imagine anyone being that kind now like yeah, no, they would, if they were like, oh, you want to stay in my dusty ass attic and work at my bakery? Okay, you're also going to have to pay $1,100 rent. No, no more, like, um, more like, more like two, $2,000 a month plus $60 for parking plus, yeah, plus hydro. But, but I only have a broom. Yeah, but it takes up a corridor. So 
you need a parking pass. You need a permit that one. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Also, you need to pay for a brand new key fob. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's another hundred and fifty. We just updated all the locks, so yeah. Oh, no cats. You need to get rid of your you need to get rid of your cat. We can't take your cat. Yeah. Um, yeah. anyway, so she opens this witch delivery business. Um and she does a couple deliveries. Uh uh the first one causes her to uh she's delivering a uh black toy cat um to a young man from uh the young man's grandmother, I believe. Uh mm-hmm. and uh and there's a gust of wind and she drops the cat toy. Uh, down into the woods um, and she can't find it, but she has to get there on time. So she gets Gigi to pretend to be the toy. Yeah. Cause and, she's getting attacked by some birds, yeah. some bad birds, some, some bad birds. birds fucked with her. Cause the geese, she was flying with some geese and the geese were like, yo, there's wind coming, but she didn't listen. That's the thing. Geese are very wise. I walk past a bunch of geese every morning and when they're not shitting, they're, you know, you just gotta they're walking the- their little geeselings, gooselings, guslings, goslings. Forget gosling. There we go. I knew it was something like that. Like Shout the, out to the little Ryan Gosling, yeah, like which was Ryan. a thing I was very curious about recently. Why are goslings yellow, like a fucking duckling, but geese are like big fucking black white things? Like it doesn't make sense. Where do where does why does why can't they just be big and yellow and just look beautiful? Why do they have to turn into the, just these ugly squawkers? <laughs> um, well, I don't know the biology of that, so I can't give you an answer on that. I, I can say, uh, to your point of, of geese, I think geese are fine. You just got to give them a wide berth. Um, their only problem. Yeah, no, that's the thing. I, every, as I say, I walk past them every morning and I see them like, you know, nursing and like teaching their goslings. And I'm like, yo, these motherfuckers, they're wise as fuck. Like, and like, they see me coming and they like, no, like I walked close, way too close to one while like a fucking baby was near it and it fucking squawked at me. I was like, dude, I know. Where do you want me to go? You're on my path. That's the only thing is that they have no kind of idea of what anything is really. So like, remember at Laurier with all the, with the geese, when they would come and they would lay Just wander into the middle of the street. And they would just wander into the middle of the like courtyard yeah, and quad and start like attacking people, and it's like you chose to have your children here. Why yeah. did you? Why why'd you, you bring your family on vacation? Why, why did you to your, my coffee shop? Yeah, why did you lay your <laughs> eggs in a busy university campus? Go to you know yeah. go, but so they're not like they're they're you know. But I shout out geese. I'll give I'll give I'll allow the shout out. I'll allow it. Um, yeah. anyway, so during that, uh, that touch after she drops Gigi off at the, uh, <laughs> at the, the child's house where Gigi has to pretend that uh, he's the toy and stay in a specific, um, uh, uh, stance stature, like the toy while the kid's playing with him and Gigi's obviously not having a good time. She goes back yeah. and finds the toy, uh, inside the cabin of a young painter, Ursula, who, um, gives witchy vibes too. I don't know. I know she's supposed to be a painter, but she's like talking to the birds and stuff like that. She um, has this. She has very Cambridge vibes. Like if she existed as a human being, I feel like she would have a Monroe piercing. Yeah, maybe. 
You know? I can see it. I don't know. And there was just something about her where I'm like, this person seems like kind of chill, but like kind of sketchy. Okay. Kind of. The other thing about this is that there's a lot of like trading uh, goods for services in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Because she goes to the cabin, she finds it, and then it's broken. And then the painter's like, oh, I can finish painting it. Or I can finish. I can fix it for you. Um, while I, while I fix it, why don't you clean my entire house? Which I was like, yeah, what? Why don't you I'm just sew up. it for? I was like, yeah, why don't you just sew it for this? Obviously, this young woman is in distress. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, yeah, why don't you clean my house? Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, she does. She does. Kiki oh, cleans. No, Kiki cleans the house, and uh, and then goes back and rescues Gigi with the help of the dog of the family who uh, it's kind of made out to seem like Gigi's scared of the dog, but it turns out the dog and Gigi are homies and, and the dog helps, helps Gigi get out. And, uh, and, and he's just a happy little dog, old dog. Yeah. I also love, yeah, I love that scene. <laughs> I particularly love that scene because obviously, you know, I feel like the, um, the, uh, rivalry of cats and dogs is like a universal thing like everyone knows like cats and dogs for the most part don't get along you know unless they've like have been raised together typically so i i love that that's a thing that crosses you know most culture it seems like because then when the dog turns out to just be the fucking big lovely oaf and just an absolute just chill ass dog like that was also I was just like hell yeah like well, it's, hell it's, yeah it's I love good, when dogs are just big dumb lovely doofy, just doofy guys big yeah just chillers like uh, I love it yeah and it's and that was that's see another it's another thing in this movie where there's like there's no real antagonist but that whole section is kind of tense because you're like oh how yeah because you're like oh is this it? dog gonna wake up and fuck Gigi up but then and it's then, just like eh. yeah and then it's like I'm gonna like, help. hell yeah. Um, and then, uh, and also just the whole crows flying up and then dropping the toy and then all that stuff happening and her having to go back. But then out of all of that struggle, guess what happens? She, Kiki gets a friend and Gigi gets a friend and they are reunited and it goes on forward. And that's a lot of the, 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 the kind of theme of the film is that these things happen and you kind of just have to like, you know, go through them. Yeah. And you know, it's come not the struggle. These. It's the friends you make along the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, Anyway, so she she later some some more stuff happens, uh, and Kiki uh, the the introduction of um, of Gigi seeing the neighbor's Persian cat or whatever kind of cat it is, this female cat who they obviously they 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 fall they're into each other um, by the end of the movie, uh, and uh, but Kiki winds up accepting a party invitation from Tombo, the boy who uh, liked. her, who was pursuing her before who had um, tricked the cop by shouting thief and all that stuff. And he loves, he loves, um, uh, he loves, he's trying to make a weird ass bike airplane. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So he, so, so, so Kiki, he invites Kiki to this party, but then she has to go and do a um, delivery. uh, And so she goes and she meets this old woman who makes pies and the old woman bakes the pie and she's asked to fly over to drop off the pie. And because of the bad weather, she's way behind and she gets mm-hmm. to the, the, the delivery spot delivers the pie. And the woman says, Oh, I always hated my grandma's pies and shuts the door in her face. 
and Kiki just feels totally dejected and she feels bad because she's late. Yeah. She gets there and she sees Tombo waiting in the rain and she just runs upstairs because she's she's uh, exhausted and upset and delayed and Which she just feels there's bad. There's so many uh, cute things. Like when she arrives, like uh, the thing I also love is that uh, the what's the lady, the, her husband, like the baker, him, yeah. like guy. He's like just such a big stoic, like brolic man. But like whenever Kiki's gone for too long, he's always like waiting in the window for her, yeah. which is just like an adorable little thing. But a thing that I love, really love particularly about like this scene, like in the storm and stuff is that like Kiki grinds for the people. Like she is for the people. Kiki is for the people. Right. But the movie show like tells you like you can't, if you grind too hard, like the whole grind mentality is bad. Like it's unhealthy to the point where she literally gets sick. Cause she has, she grinds through yeah, the storm she out her life. and you, and she, yeah, she misses out on key moments of your life. Like, I feel like, you know, everybody goes to that, you know, first party sort of dance thing, like at 13, like that's a big coming of age moment. And to have missed that because she was grinding for other people and too busy, you know, with her fucking money mindset. Mindset, like that's fucking set. stupid. <laughs> yeah, on the grind set, you know, like that's so. Like, well, I think they, that it's dumb. And, and yeah, they, like they you do know, it super smart. Like she's too. working this hard gig economy. Like you know, sometimes yeah. you just gotta fucking take a fucking chiller night for yourself well, with, with think, the boy. And I think that it's done smart too, because before when she's deciding if she wants to do it or not, she says, Oh, I don't know. And then, uh, Osono says, no, you should go. Like you should have a life being independent. Isn't just about working and making money. Like you should go, you should go mm -hmm. and do this. Like this, this boy obviously wants you to go. You should go in far less words, but she says that to her. And then so she says, okay, I'll go. And then, then gets in this situation where it's like, she gets to the house and the pie isn't ready. So she has to wait for it to be cooked. And the woman is really mm -hmm. nice and they're getting along. And then she goes to leave and it starts raining and she's like, Oh shoot, it's raining. It's going to be, it's going to be harder to get there. And it takes a long time. And then she gets there and goes to give it to the woman. And the woman says, well, I don't, I hate my grandma's pies. Like, I don't know why she sends me them. And, yeah. and Kiki's just kind of like her whole worldview of like the way people are supposed to act is totally destroyed. And so she feels dejected already and it's raining and it's, it's hard to fly. And so she, when she gets back, and she sees him waiting. She just feels even worse, feels even more exhausted and overwhelmed and emotional. And she goes upstairs and he goes to sleep. And then she wakes up the next day and she's sick. Yeah. Um, the next, the ne she wakes up the next day uh, and, uh, and, and the owner of the bakery, Osono, comes upstairs and sees that she's not doing well. So she gets her some food and some, uh, some oatmeal and some hot food and uh, some gets, you know, tells her to eat and tells her to take it easy. And so she recovers, uh, which is, again, a learning thing. You know, as you said, the grind set needs to be a balanced. You can't be, uh, mm -hmm. you can't, you can't forget to go out and live, right? Um, yeah, because like, I know people that grind and grind and grind, but then like, they don't do anything. They don't have any downtime. So then when they do, they're like the most boring people you've ever met. It's like, what are your interests? And it's like, oh, you don't 
have any interest because like you've never taken yeah. the time to just fucking chill and like find out what the fuck you like. Yeah. Like look to look at Tombo. Tombo's like, I like fucking making bikes that fly. Like he's very adamant about making shit that flies. Like yeah. he knows what he wants to do. He, he loves him and his flying. homies make fucking sick flying bikes. That's yeah. awesome. He, that, honestly, he must have been so wild horny when he saw her because he's like, Oh, a girl my age who can fly? <laughs> he must yeah. have been like does that thing that I'm trying to do. No oh way. That's crazy. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, anyway, oh. so then afterwards you have uh, uh, when she recovers, uh, Asano, she arranges in secret for Kiki to go to Tombo's house by assigning a delivery to him. Um, and uh, she goes there not knowing that it was for him. And uh, and she sees him and she's kind of like clams up, doesn't know what to do. But eventually she comes to and apologizes for missing the party. Um, and he explains this is the test ride on the flying machine that he's working on, built from a bicycle. Um, and uh, uh, they go on a bike ride together, which is an amazing scene. The whole bike ride, them going down the road and dodging the cars and the music, and there's all the hills in the background of the water, and they fly off and they roll down the hill together, and they're sitting there laughing, having jokes, and they're kind of warming to one another. And you can tell that, you know, they're start she's starting to, to see a little bit of, you know, something more than in a, this annoying pest in him, um, which is obviously why she said yes, she wanted to go because she's got a little, she's kind of into him too. Um, but then her, her his friends pull up and they're, uh, they're, they start teasing her and she winds up walking home by herself. And, uh, and so this leads to Kiki becoming kind of depressed. And, uh, and this means that she can no longer understand Gigi, um, which causes Gigi to go spend more time with the white cat of the neighbors. And they're hanging out on rooftops and rubbing into each other and they're in kitty love. Uh, and, uh, she also has lost her ability to fly and she keeps trying to, she keeps trying to run and fly, but to no avail, she kind of just bounces along and then falls down a bunch of times. She breaks her broom. Um, and, uh, and yeah, she's just has to suspend her delivery business and work in the bakery. And she just feels bummed. She just hit, she just hit the bottom. She's overwhelmed herself. She's in a world she doesn't understand. and the weight of the independence and her life is is coming down on her and her you know seeing negative reactions and seeing people not really care it just all kind of comes to a head and this is when enter cambridge girl ursula from the painting hut she comes and visits her and suggests that it's uh, brings her back to her cabin for a little vacay they go on a little r&r vacation together uh, Ursula shows Kiki a painting that she made of her uh, and they talk about creativity and art and making art and she, Ursula suggests that Kiki's facing kind of like artist's block um, and, uh, and suggests that if she finds a new purpose, a new reason that she needs to fly not just because she could that she might be able to find her, her powers Um and so she returns home and, uh, and there's, oh, we should say that there's this thing, this giant airship that, that they have. Yeah. It's like a blimp. For some reason, they have this blimp in this city. They're building this blimp 
And at one point during it, she sees Tombo uh, flying in the blimp uh, and he's waving down at her and they're looking at this blimp that's flying around for its test flight. And he got to be in it because I guess, I don't know, he just loves aviation so much. They're like, you got to take that kid. I don't know exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, this dude just, this kid's been annoying me for about five years. He keeps showing up to the airfield. And I'm like, kid, you can't be here. You can't be here. His mom drops him off sometimes, says he's a good kid, but I don't know. So anyways, his make-a-wish was to get onto the airship. <laughs> um, anyway, so then later on, uh, while she's visiting a customer, she sees a live news report on television of this airship. It's having an accident. It's crashing. And Tombo, he is has fallen out of the cockpit area and is now being hung precariously from one of the mooring lines or the uh, whatever kind of rope it is, but he's hanging off of it. And it's the, the, the airship is banged up against a, the clock tower of the town and uh, it bangs up against the clock tower of the town. And then it falls down on top of the top of another building, but these are tall buildings and Tombo's up in the air. He falls, he's going to die. So she, she kick, kicks it into high gear she starts running down there to try and get him and borrows a broom from uh, some like some like street sweeper janitor type fellow and uh, and then regains her powers. Uh, albeit there's tension here because it's stop and go for a minute. Like she gets going, then she crashes and she gets going again and it's she can't really control it. But finally, she gets her, her full powers back and rescues Tombo, which leads to her resuming her delivery service. And after the. Uh, lovely rolling credits you see her talking to her parents telling her telling them that she is doing really well and her parents are overjoyed and that's the end of the film it's yeah. very very simple uh and it's very very straightforward and it's very very wholesome there's no big bad there's no you know there's no <laughs> but it, but it like uh perfectly like juggles like scenes of like you know of character interaction and like fun moments and then also of like moments of struggle and like it you know it doesn't do it in like big over the top ways it's not like you know ah the monster attacked the town kiki fight it or something it's like oh no a fucking you know a thing's crashing and this kid's hanging from it and, you know, it's a very, very dramatic, tense scene. And, you know, there's the point where he falls and you're like, oh, shit. But he's got he, she has him. And then, you know, they slowly come down to the big trampoline thing. And it's like everybody's good. And then another thing I love that, you know, is so great about anime that uh, is uncommon. And I think any other film style is the sort of montage credit sequence like because the film it's the credits but the film isn't over yet like the move the movie is still playing through the credits which i love yeah it's it it kind of is the denouement is the it, you know you have the crisis you have the climax she catches him and then the, everybody celebrates and then the credits show her returning to deliveries show that life you know she's hanging out with tombo she's it kind of shows the denouement of the overall story arc in mm -hmm. the credits and shows what happens afterwards and then is capped off by the call to the parents yeah. which is just super nice 
Um, because like in most movies, instead of just doing like a quick sort of credit montage where everything's wrapped up really nicely, most movies would end up doing an, another excessive like 10 minute sort of epilogues of scenes. And instead of doing that, I feel like this is such a more natural natural wrap up like it's like okay that's that's the final thing that was the moment she needed she needed that big moment to prove to herself prove to others too that maybe you know that she is a person that uh, you know a strong independent young woman and you know and i mean that's part like this this film the the major themes of it is uh maturity and independence um, the whole film is about her going out and fi- facing common problems of adolescence. Maybe not for thirteen-year-old girls, but but you know, finding yeah, a job. I mean, saving a child from falling to his death and splattering across the courtyard. Yeah, that's not you know something everyone faces. And I think the <laughs> that's the thing. The movie you also don't like. That's the thing is that the movie's so whimsical and thing is that you don't actually it like. It's it's a life or death situation, but yet like it doesn't um you know, it definitely you feel like it's not leaning towards the death side, you know? No, it's but there's not, enough then there's enough tension to make it exciting. Like it's obviously the Exactly, climax, yes. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, the, this film is it's about her her you know, finding a job, seeking acceptance, taking care of herself, learning to be vulnerable and and overcome self-doubt. Um and you know, there's a thing here on the on the wiki that I really like that I wrote down. That Mark Schilling, a film critic, he noted that there's a scene during Kiki's first night away from home where Kiki rushes back to her room and slams the door behind her to avoid being uh, spotted by Fukuo, um, Fukuo being the husband of the bakery. Uh, and and she runs back inside and slams the door. And all he did. Um, and it's the morning after the first night away when this happens. Uh, she sees him and then she runs upstairs because she doesn't want to be spotted. Uh, but he was only outside stretching his arms and getting ready to walk into work. Like he's like putting on yeah. his apron. And he notes like the bizarrely shy behavior really expresses her youth and vulnerability and isolation early on in the film, which I think that coupled with her kind of first arrival to the city and people being like, Oh, she like sits down and she's like, hi, I'm Kiki. Like I'm a witch. I'm here trying to be independent. And like, is there any, any place that I can live? Like, do you know anything? And the woman's like, that's nice dear. And turns around and walks. You want to know how else that scene could also be interpreted though, is that Kiki just rocked a massive shit. And she is embarrassed by it. And she doesn't want to also just walk out of the outhouse as he's out there. Because she she doesn't want him to smell the stinker that she just dropped. Yeah, I mean, she could have. That's good. That could, that, that could also be it. But yeah, no, it's a shyness and sort of like embarrassed. She's also in like her like pajamas or whatever, I guess you would call them. Nightgown yeah. or whatever. So like, you know, she's not like presentable. But yeah, no, the, she's shy. But she could have also dropped the big stinker. Who yeah. knows? Um. Uh, another major theme, as we had said, is the trend is the, the kind of dichotomy between traditional and contemporary. And Kiki kind yeah. of embodies both of those. She wears the traditional black, black uh, 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 witch dress and she flies her mm-hmm. mother's dr- broom, but she wears a bright bow. She really wants to get these really bright, obnoxious shoes. Um, yeah. And she goes to a city that's modern instead of going to like a small town. She wants to go to this 
bustling port city and find her way there instead of going yeah. to where her her where her parents say you know you should look for like a smaller town or something like that and she's like no i'm going there i'm doing it um <laughs> and then also you know these the 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 main crisis is her law is the loss of her witch powers um which is just the reflection of of her own self-doubt and and her own um lack of confidence because she goes out to there with a belly full of fire and is repeatedly shown that you know living life is not all upwards that there's ups and downs and bad things happen Mm -hmm. but as you said it's through the struggles that we wind up through these journeys these ups and downs we wind up meeting people who who can help and we wind up learning things about ourselves which is what um allows her to overcome her thing her 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 challenges and stuff and there is another note um which i saw in the wikipedia and i saw in one of the uh um, articles uh, written on it that um uh even though at the end she's able to fly she still can't talk to Gigi yeah. which which is kind of a signification of her passing from being a kind of doe-eyed child into understanding the reality of the world that you know she mm-hmm. can no longer she can fly again because she has purpose but she's no longer the young witch that she was at the start and Gigi and her although still they are still together and they still, you know, that she realizes that, you know, that she's matured and that she can't talk to Gigi the way that she did. Um, I also like the fact that, um, that, um, um, uh, they noted that girls with magical powder powers are common in Japanese television. But Miyazaki said that uh, witchcraft has always been a means to fulfill the dreams of young girls. They've always become idols with no difficulties. In contrast, Kiki cannot use her powers as a means of wish fulfillment. Uh, and, and that it's a means of, um, you know, it's not like she can snap her fingers and do whatever she wants. She only has one real witch power which is the broom. Yeah. When that gets taken away, yeah. she has to face who Kiki really is mm-hmm. and then come to terms with it. It's, it's so, it's so brilliant. It's so good. Um, uh, the, a lot of the times, I mean, they talk about Kiki being compared to other female characters in Miyazaki films. Um, San from Princess Mononoke, um, another character who take control over their own lives, although motivated by different things. Um, uh, the also in remarkable independence and feminism seen in uh, Nausicaa and Nausicaa Valley of the Wind uh, and uh, uh, Chihiro from Spirited Away, both young girls attempting to speak, seek independence without being rebellious. Um, and they get their independence with the help of their friends. These are common things throughout Ghibli, kind of common traits throughout Ghibli films. But this one kind of dilates it, or like dials it in, and it's just very clear and precise what this the kind of character development and the turn and the whole point of the movie is. And then it's just wrapped up in this beautiful visual treat of of yeah. of Ghibli animation um that just it just slaps it just goes so hard mm-hmm. um it's uh yeah and it, i mean it's it's uh it's it yeah tons, uh, tons and tons also of- i also appreciate just how uh eager and um you know 
how quick and efficient uh, Kiki is with her deliveries and that she cares. Because as I now work in sort of delivery, dealing with delivery services, like Canada Post and the Peer Later and shit, and they're such fucking idiots. Like, they're constantly losing shit that I'm trying to ship and stuff. And, you know, I sometimes I wish that instead of fucking Peer Later, I wish it was just Kiki showing up. Because if I could just put, like, my packages in a basket, I know she would get them to where they need to go. And, you know what? I can't trust in some delivery people to do that. But shout out to kiki she she's just yeah. you know I wish, I she wish. she is a grinder but that's the thing that's the thing about that this movie too is that that is such a great good message is that like you really do have to go and like put yourself in uncomfortable situations learn a lot and shit and like you know if you want to get good at something you you really have to try at it but like exhaustion is a thing and burnout is a thing and that you can't, but you also can't let that like get to you. Like you have to acknowledge when that is, which is a problem I often have. Um, acknowledging being like, okay, I'm trying to write like something for like film. I'm trying to do comedy, I'm trying to make uh, an album, I'm trying to do like score work. And it's just like, I'm doing too many fucking things at once. I just need to like sit back and just like chill and like, because, like, if you try to, like, keep doing all this shit at once and, like, force it to happen, it, you're probably, there's probably going to be, uh, you're, you're going to see a lesser quality of work if you're just forcing yourself to do things because, because you, you, feel you like need you to, to yeah. but, and, like, but, like, it's, if, it's better sometimes to, like, let things come more naturally, like, yeah, like constantly, like, you know, if you're, say, a music producer, like, you know, constant, keep, keep, try, try to try, work on music every day, work on music every day, you know, try, try to do something creative every day. But hey, if, you know, if there comes a day where you're like, fuck, I'm fucking tired, I don't want to do this, don't beat yourself up about yeah, it, don't do which it. is take, a, take some time, you know, yeah. and even if you do wind up working on it and nothing's coming, like, you know, there comes a point where the frustration is not worth the, uh, the frustration is not worth the, um, uh, 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 the stress is not worth, worth it. Like you could force yourself to make something and it'll, and then you'll come back and look at it later and be like, this is absolute ass. I should have stopped. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you got to find, there's a balance to it. And I also love the fact that, um, well, they said, I mean, I, I there's a really good, it just uh, the whole uh, there's a couple things i want to talk about one you were talking yeah. about dr delivery drivers or deliveries um yeah i kind of wish all uber drivers had the punctuality or uber eats drivers had the punctuality of kiki uh, also kind of yeah. wish they had brooms so they didn't have to go on uh, on flying brooms so they didn't have to go via road uh and they could just yeah. fly over that would be sick too but yeah i mean i would really mm -hmm. like it if somebody actually cared to deliver something on time. I've stopped using any of the food delivery places because they can never deliver it on time. It's always like two fucking hours late. You see, it's going to be here. Oh, you order it for eight o'clock. It shows up at 10 o'clock. I don't know. It's yeah. probably because I live in the suburbs, but like it's just, yeah. it sucks. You it's live farther from like, I, I don't have any problem. Well, with food delivery, I don't have any problems for the most part um, because I live in like the downtown core. 
But yeah, no, for you, I see that. But like Canada Post, Pure Later, get your fucking shit together. UPS, get your shit together. Oh, come on. Uh, you know, our infrastructure is, tr- is, is, is crumbling and, and, and everything is gas. You know how much money I spent on gas in the past couple of weeks? You don't even yeah. want to know. Like $400, well, dude. Like $400. Okay. Like that's insane. Anyway, enough about our, 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 uh, no, our crumbling. No, I, I actually, I did the math. I did, I did the math. Okay, this is this is what doesn't fucking make sense to me. Okay, I'm gonna go. This is this is completely unasked for. Nobody wants this, but I'm gonna. I have to talk about this. Canada produces like something like four point something million barrels of oil to a day. Canadians, as a collective, we only use about one point some odd million barrels of oil a day. But yet, Canada, we sell off about ninety. 90 some odd percent of our oil and then import it back from other fucking places spending money which doesn't make sense to me like why are we importing shit from other places when we have it but then they're like yeah but we don't have pipelines running from western america from western canada eastern canada but it's like yeah but we're spending just as much money to import shit sorry anyway i watched the fucking debates um uh the ontario debates and just hearing about people bicker about gas and oil, I've realized how fucking stupid it is and I hate it. And also Steven Del Duca doesn't have an upper lip. Where did it go? He looks like a fucking somebody looks like he's from Whoville and somebody stole his upper lip. Uh, yeah, I saw you. Also the green party dude, shout out to that dude. I don't know who the fuck he is, but that dude fucking killed it. I don't know why I'm even talking Ontario politics right now, but because I brought it up, but anyway, uh, well, yeah. And if you're from Ontario, please get yourself, uh, uh, please, please look at all of the platforms. Please consider, uh, before you go and vote, look at what people are offering, what they want to do. This is something that bothers me about people who vote and they only vote on party lines. They don't look at platforms. I want you to look at your life. I want you to look at what the people you know in your life. And I want you to look at the platforms and then vote accordingly. Vote the way you want to the people in your life and the people around you to be treated. Don't vote because your parents are conservative or liberal or whatever. Don't vote the way that you've been told to vote. Vote the what you want to see happen. Because soon all of our grandparents and parents are going to get older and the world is going to, well, it is ours now almost. For some reason, all these old people, old white people won't give up their, their uh, situations of power. Um, But uh, eventually it will have to happen because time comes for everybody and we're going to be inheriting their mess and, you know, vote for the platform that you think is going to do the best in the world. That's my opinion. Um, yeah, and thinking like being like, oh, I have to vote strategically because being like, oh, you don't want conservative to win your riding or whatever. You don't want whatever party. Fuck off with that mentality because if you fucking constantly think that, then you're never going to, if if you truly want to vote green, but then you're like, no, oh, I have to vote liberal because, you know, my parents are going to vote conservative. So then, you know, it's really coming down to the liberal. and conser- No, it's coming down to that because you're allowing that to fucking happen. Yeah. Vote green then, you fucking dummy. Yeah, vote, vote green. Vote for the people, like, vote for the people that you want to see. And the other thing, too, is that, I mean, it sucks because of first past the post, but like, you know, like it shows to those parties that people are interested in the platforms that they're putting forward. Mm-hmm. You know, like. 
it, it's I don't know this though. Yeah, enough about Ontario politics. Just please, uh, please get yourself uh, acclimatized and understand the platforms. Look at the people in your area who are who uh, and what they're running on, and vote accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to enact change in the world, that's the way that we're going to do it. Um, but anyway, back to, back to Kiki. <laughs> I- uh, yeah, uh, that was a real. Do you point. have a point? Because I have like one more like major yeah, I thing two, I, I want to talk well, about. I, one, I was going to make a joke just about is this the first movie about the gig economy? Um, but like, I think so. I think you are correct, one hundred percent correct. <laughs> that that like this the the this is really this is really it. This is where it starts. Um, no, I'm, yeah, I, no. I, this movie is uh, like. If you watch it today, it's still hella relevant. Like, I'm surprised there are, like, the amount of kids I see just delivering shit, like, on scooters. It's, like, that's insane. Like, of course. Like, these are modern-day kikis out here. Especially in Waterloo, dudes on scooters doing delivery. I always have I've mad respect it. for people on bikes doing Uber. Because somehow they yeah. arrive really quickly. But I also think that some of them are lying to Uber, saying that they're on bikes, but they're in cars to, like, get past the car uh like requirements mm. or something like that i don't know i think i think a lot of them also are rocking those like motorized bikes yeah, and I've then seen, you I've know and you also like, just know how cyclists are they don't obey any yeah. of the road laws That's they're like I mean. oh a red light i'm a cyclist fuck it i'm just gonna go through it which also yo cyclists chill the fuck out okay because i walk on a pathway like to work every morning which cyclists also do Okay, bro, y'all got to give me more than, like, a fucking centimeter if you're going to fucking pass me. Because if, like, I'm going to throw a fucking elbow and it's going to fucking take your goddamn eye out, okay? Like, I'm sick of these fucking dudes. Also, like, get a fucking bell or something so I can at least even hear you. Like, these are dudes coming in hot. Like, hot. just And then just, like, passing me at, like, the last second. Like... I I only know there's a fucking dude next to me because I feel them like creep up behind me like a fucking <laughs> the like a Ring dude in bell. a ghillie suit. Ring your bell. And, yeah, like fuck dude. Like I know I have headphones on, but I'll hear a bell out of nowhere. Like that's a sound. That's why that sound exists because people naturally react to like a fucking bell cuz bells aren't things that just, you know, you hear every day. You know, anyway, bikers get fucking bells and don't pass me so close or I'm just going to start. I'm going to start throwing fucking elbows. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. A, there's a little bit of a, yeah, that's happened to me too, where I've been walking all of a sudden someone's like flown by me and I'm like, Jesus Christ. If I had, if I had like decided to like say I'm listening to your music and if I had decided to like move my arms or something to a song I like. Yeah, that would be a broken arm on my part. Maybe a broken nose on their part because I'm so goddamn. Yeah, I almost like smashed a little like tiny Asian woman off a bike because I was on the sidewalk and she randomly decided to try and like pass me by like on like just barely on the boulevard. I'm like, why are you even on the sidewalk? Firstly, like the road is right there. You're supposed to be on the road. Firstly, like. Fuck off. This isn't the path part. I'm on the sidewalk. But like then, yeah, when you're on the actual path that's supposed to be for people walking and cyclists, like they're just, they're fucking they they're just like they'll come up right behind you and then be like, Wee! and just like go over and it's like, what are you doing? Like you could see I'm here for like a hundred meters, dude. Like 
there's two lanes. Like, I don't know, yeah. man. I don't know. Cyclists are really know. Okay, so the one off, thing that I did want to clarify before you get to your last point is, because I, I went into my notes and I saw this and I realized that I was wrong at the start. Um, it was released 1989 in Japan, and then it was released in the United States in the Japanese version with subtitles in 1994. Buena Vista subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company released the VHS with a dub in 1998. Um and then also it has be continually been uh, a, a on lists of the best selling DVDs or foreign language films in other countries over the past many years, 2001, it was the best selling uh, anime DVD. Um, the Japanese version, the Blu-ray release grossed 21.7 million from disc sales in the United States in April, as of April 2022 in 2018, it was the seventh best selling foreign language film on home video in the UK. And in the ninth, 2019, it was the fifth best selling foreign language film. There's a couple other ones here, but basically people have been watching this and coming back to this and revisiting it. And also new people are learning as anime gets more popular. People are learning more about um, the kind of cinematic, cinematic anime studios, Studio Ghibli being one of the major ones. And, uh, and, and it's, you know, it's continued to uh, be around in the culture. Same with the more well-known or kind of uh, I would say this one's a flag, kind of like an important Ghibli film, but Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, uh, you know, Howl's Moving Castle, those movies have also remained very yeah. relevant in the culture and around. Um, well, like and, Tortoro's, like my name, Tortoro, like he's literally the logo for Ghibli. And yeah. like the cat bus, like that, like, I think the visuals from those movies are awesome. Didn't they make a theme park of like Studio Ghibli or there's like a Studio museum, Ghibli museum, a museum or something? Yeah. And it looks Ghibli. awesome. Um, and I just wanted to talk about the the uh, responses some of the people um, uh, just gave. The one there's uh, generally it was uh, uh, very, very well received. The critics' critics consensus on Rotten Tomato, Kiki's Delivery Service is a heartwarming, gorgeously rendered tale of a young witch discovering her place in the world. Um, uh, Metacritic has it at 83. Rotten Tomatoes at 98. Um, uh, enter oh, Entertainment Video... Sorry, my notes here. Entertainment Weekly rated it as video of the year in 1998 when it was re-released. Siskel and Ebert gave it video pick of the week. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it two thumbs up, uh, ranked it as one of the best animated films in the U.S. in 1998, and then later uh, in in uh, one of the best animated movies in general. Uh, film ranked number 12 on Wizards Anime Magazine list and uh, top 50 anime released in North America. A uh, lot of positive written reviews. Andrew Johnson from the New Time Out New York wrote, although the story has a clear moral, uh, clear moral about learning uh, to develop self-confidence, Kiki is never preachy. The story is given time to unfold at a natural pace, which contributes greatly to the sense of depth it conveys while being in also enjoyable. That's uh, that last part, while being also enjoyable, is paraphrasing or sick. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, generally everybody loved it. It's a great movie. Um, and and like all the other Ghibli films, it smacks. It absolute, absolutely smacks. What's your last point on it? Um, well, this is just sort of, this is a very general thing of anime in general, because this was always something I always thought about is that like, 
you know, I always thought like anime characters, like these look like white people. I've always thought that. But I've actually, like, I looked into it because there's, like, some cases in it of, like, for example, Ghost in the Shell, like, the main character in Ghost in the Shell, they were designed to look like a white American woman, which is why Scarlett Johansson played that character in the live-action movie, and which is why the creator of Ghost in the Shell was okay with that casting. And, you know, people of... Also, anime has an incredibly loving... um, fan base but also one a very toxic one as well um fandom so like so anyways i used to it never made sense because i was like when i see anime it doesn't they don't look like asian people yeah this is so anyways but this is what we i was talking about before the the influence of american cartoons and american culture in anime Mm -hmm. that that that's what led them to uh have certain kind of affectations or mm-hmm. um, characteristics of more Western uh, yeah. uh, looking, uh, you know, m- more Western kind mm-hmm. of characterism, characterizations and faces and mannerism and eyes and stuff like that. It was yeah. like, because they were trying to emulate what that in their own style. And then it led to the, kind of manga anime style yeah. which is kind of like a, cr- a cross but it's also like like things like stereotypes like racial like racist stereotypes that we have towards asian people like they have you know s- small eyes small lips shit like that whatever the fuck like those are like racist things that like and one like we like if you go back in old like American animation like that's how we've always depicted Asian people in as terrible caricatures. But like that's the thing is that like Japanese people themselves like they don't see these those things right they're just like we just look like we just that's just how we look like that's not like a thing that they would consider like they don't consider the other they just draw things because like it just makes sense it's just like yeah big eyes in animation looks fucking sick like you can emote a lot easier with big eyes like whatever and like things like oh this character has green or blue hair in an anime it's like well how people don't have green or blue hair it's like it's anime. They can fucking have whatever hair color they want. Like, who gives a shit? Like, yeah, a ginger Japanese person doesn't exist. But guess what? It's anime. Like, we can do it. This guy has orange hair because fuck it. They have orange hair. And like, I, it's a thing that like I recently like realized that anime is a more universal form of animation because like it doesn't play into stereotypes and like things like that. Whereas Western anime animation like just just look at like the fucking just look at the shit that we've done like look at old fucking flesher brothers and old yeah you know disney stuff uh you know we were very racial to you know not very yeah. racial and, and I mean, i'm sure you know if you look into the you know the you know the annals of you know the history of japanese animation i'm sure you'll find some unpleasant things that's oh, the thing yeah. if you want to yeah. dig into anything you'll find it but for the most part i find anime to be more universal and probably more like because these people they just look like people like they don't play into any sort of you know oh it's this person they're supposed to look like that it's like no it's whatever i don't know yeah and i mean and going going against the the uh, kind of going against character 
stereotypes and arcs is is uh is very much um uh, a, a trait of certain uh types of anime and yeah. manga um but the I, I wanted to clarify that i i that 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 anime like early manga and anime you shouldn't think of it as them creating Japanese versions of American or Western cartoons. They were just inspired by things like Betty Boop and Mickey Mouse and the kind yeah. of the, the, because if you look at old, old, you know, Betty Boop, yeah. or you look at uh, Mickey Mouse, or you look at any of the old uh, Western animations that, uh, or cartoons that their eyes are very comic-y. It's not, it's yeah. not like, it's not like you look at Marvel comics now where the characters are, are drawn to look like, albeit unnaturally muscly, but their faces yeah. are very kind of trying to look human. Um, whereas yeah, back it, then it's it supposed was, to has a level of realism with it. Whereas I feel like a lot of manga and anime, like it's just its own world. And it's just like, you yeah. just learn to accept it. So, but my my whole point was that a lot of the stuff that came from our very early Western cartoons, the kind of yeah. cartoony nature of it and the big eyes and the stuff like that, that was influencing uh, influencing the early uh, manga and anime, which would lead in manga, which would lead into anime art. Uh, and yeah. that is where you get certain aspects of, of uh, kind of Westernized aspects of anime but anime as you said it is very well known for going against depending on what you're watching mm -hmm. going against stereotypes and also just doing whatever the hell they want like dragon yeah. ball z you watch dragon ball z and all of the enemies look insane yeah like, really like who Pico, piccolo's green but he's also very clearly a black dude like yeah uh, and you just kind of accept that. Like you accept that Piccolo is a chill ass black dude. Like literally the bad one. Like if you look at the, the bad guys in Dragon Ball, they're insane. Some of them Yo, yeah. are, some of them look like, like people, like some of the like Broly and stuff like that. They're big jack, yeah. like huge dudes. But then you've got dudes like you look at like Frieza. Who's, who's what head? is Frieza? Is Frieza man or woman? Is, I don't is Frieza know. a lizard? Is Frieza a sentient like, Q ball like what is yeah that? like what the fuck is this <laughs> what is like it? And sometimes their head looks like kind of like an uncircumcised dick like in certain <laughs> light like, i don't know dude it's crazy it goes oh, crazy fuck. and then you have cell who's like it's uh, just is like a green dude i don't know there's yeah. a lot there's a lot and that's happening boo is just a fat version of ditto from pokemon like he's just a malleable fat idiot lovable but sometimes he's but then he's also super evil if he wants to be then they have the racist hungry cat, like oh come yeah, on, man. Come uh, on. Beerus. Uh, yeah, and then also you have different versions of Boo. There's like the fat Boo, and then there's like Majin yeah. Boo, who's like yeah. he's built like Kevin Hart with like a he's like pink <laughs> Kevin Hart with like a yeah. But then, <laughs> but then he's Kevin James in another yeah. one. Like it's, it's, it's just, wild. Yeah. They, just, they just go. They just do whatever they want. Yeah. Um, and then you can, I mean, no there's a, and there's so many different subgenres of anime. There's so many different subgenres of manga. There's obviously, you know, also hentai and all that stuff. You know, yeah. it's a it's a very large market, and uh, and it, and it is very very much influenced Western culture, which is why we want to talk about it. But really, if you want to get into like, if you want a, a place to open the world of of anime uh, into. Um, and and Studio Ghibli films did help bring the conversation on anime 
to a more prestigious level. I mean, Spirited mm-hmm. Away did win the Academy Award, you know, like on, in the yeah. Western world, Ghibli films uh, opened a doorway to real like high end intellectual cinematic dialogue on yeah. on anime. Um, and they're just beautifully done, technically well done. And you don't have to like, if you watch them, you don't have to see uh, the kind of silliness that anime that people will be like, well, I don't watch anime because it's like kids stuff and silly. Like these are beautifully made movies and they have real themes and you know, they're really, they're really great films like filmmaking wise. They are really good. So if you're looking for a way to open the door into that, or say you used to like Pokemon and Digimon or whatever, now you're a bit older and you don't really know where to get back into looking at that kind of stuff or, or you want to watch something with a bit more substance look into films like that or look into um, the girl who left through time or ghost in a shell. I mean, ghost in the shell has quietly influenced so much of Western filmmaking. Yeah. It's not even funny. Or like, fucking uh, paprika. paprika that? No, yeah. paprika is like French, isn't it? Is it? Or is it Japanese? Uh, I, no, I'm pretty sure paprika is Japanese, but it, it's based on something else. Um, paprika the film was or something or there was something that they made a film that was based yeah on. okay yeah it is japanese okay yeah, cool it's, it's, um but it was but yeah like that movie influenced fucking the uh, what's his face fucking christopher nolan like a whole bunch oh yeah isn't there scenes in that in well, in like inception were basically taken from like paprika i'm yeah, pretty sure paprika is sick like there's a bunch of really good movies that you can get into, but if you're looking for a place to re-enter anime, or you would like to get see some really good uh, cinematic anime, Ghibli is a great place to start. And there's enough movies there that you could make. You know, you could probably throw one on a week for two months, and you would you know get a pretty good grasp on stuff and could go from there. And there's tons of great TV shows, and there's tons of great stuff, and of course. As as you ha- as we have always have to say, the American versions of these are edited. They are changed. There are things that are added, things that are a bit different. Especially when you look at like the TV shows, the um, anima- uh, animatic anime shows, like Dragon Ball Z. The Japanese version of Dragon Ball Z, like if you watch the actual Japanese version of Dragon Ball Z, it is so different than the American version because they parsed down a lot of the stuff that was in the Japanese version because the Japanese version was originally for teenagers. It was far more mature. There's a lot more violence and some more, it's, it's a lot heavier. Uh, And they, they edited it and parsed it down for kids to watch, which is why the pacing is so weird in the American version. And there's a lot of filler because I think eventually the anime caught up to the manga. So there's that's why you have Goku yeah. like powering up for four episodes because they literally did not know what was going to happen. So they're like, we have to wait for the next manga to come out. Yeah. So we're just going to have Goku fucking charge up for <laughs> two hours. And then they're going to fight. He's going to fight his enemy, uh, have an earth shattering, literally blowing chunks off of the planet, uh, yeah. destroying like whole mountain range fights. Yeah, they're gonna he just do it. spirit bombed an entire fucking galaxy. Yeah, and then but then they're gonna do it, but they need to get away. They're like, oh, we can't do it here because we don't want to hurt people. And then they literally like fly for a minute and land. So they're like only a couple miles away. 
And then they're having this like earth shattering battle. It's like, you guys could have gone a little bit farther. You guys could have gone to space or something like, come on. Um, Come on, man. Come on. I mean, but they, I wouldn't say that they were the most, uh, they're the the most uh, um, thoughtful fighters. Um, But, you know, no. no. Anyway, um, Ghibli can't say high enough praises for it. This movie is wholesome, fun. Kiki's delivery service. It was a 10 out of 10 watch. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, if you're looking for a place to get into uh, cinematic anime, this is the one for, this is a studio that you could definitely go for. Um, I think that's about it on the movie. I do want to talk about one thing. Yeah, I assume it's the one thing yeah that i would talk about <laughs> yeah um, uh mr. the new morale. kendrick yeah the new kendrick mr morale and the big steppers uh, okay um yeah. i don't yeah we were we're getting pretty late into this so i don't want to talk about too much else um because yeah. we went on that rant for a long well we'll save our conversation about what's going on for the next episode mm-hmm. uh but i do want to talk about mr morale and the big steppers i for will sure. i listened to so i've listened to it a couple times um uh, as otis mentioned before i'm international right now i'm back in back down in pennsylvania i listened to it on my drive down to pennsylvania and i just want to uh that i listened to it all the way through without without distractions without interruptions uh and um it's nothing short of of a, a masterwork it is a masterpiece um, I think people will be talking about this album for a long time. I think the more you listen to it, the better it gets. I think it's going to mm-hmm. age incredibly well. Um, I think his whole not coming out in the public a whole lot for many years and working on this and then coming out with such a personal, um, while also being a universal uh, uh, album, a universal, universally understandable album um, is incredible there are obviously some some things that you know you might have done different or that might not be to your to your taste but i recommend listening to it from front to back and paying attention to what he has to say because it is uh quite the powerful um uh, yeah no it's a very it is it's a i hate saying it's it's very confessional and you know it's a there's lots of storytelling through it um it kind of, like it's very deliberate the pacing of it and like the sequencing of the songs is very deliberate um like like there's there I was listening to it and there is a point where i realized before the 10th song it says oh ready for section 10 and it's like oh the like that's where i like these this is like a confessional like therapy session like for him like there's songs about like his father, him having trans family members, you know, for I, my favorite song on the album so far. And I don't know why, because it's such a strange song to listen to is we cry together, which is literally an act. It's not even a song as much as it is a fucking like an acted out scene. Like it yeah. is someone it's basically like a theater piece uh to yeah, a just, fucking alchemist beat that fucking bangs so hard. Yeah. But it's it, a domestic fucking dispute. And I was but it's it also raises so many points. And you know, I'm not gonna speak to these things, but like 
because it a lot of it is about black culture, black men, black women, how they treat each other, how black men and black women interact. Me being a white man, obviously, I'm not going to fucking, you know, talk on that. But like it. It as me as from a from it, a storytelling perspective and in and listening to it as a story, it has a lot of interesting points and makes a lot of valid points about black culture that me as a white person would have never like, you know, considered like in that one, like, you know, it like talking about R Kelly and he's like, yeah, like women are black. Women are the biggest supporters of R Kelly, but yet are you're abused by him. Like that is so like, that's fucked up. And it's like, I don't think about that because you know, I don't come don't think about these things from a black perspective or like talking about trans people from a black perspective, being a father from a black perspective or like acknowledging you need to seek mental therapy or health. And, you know, you have mental health issues Well, I think from a black perspective. It's very interesting. I like Kendrick's specific, his perspective because it is very much a black perspective, but he is such a good fucking storyteller and a writer that he's able to convey these like store like you know that's why i think like good kid mad city is so good because it's a gangster rap album about growing up in compton but it's it i don't know it conveys it in such a good way which as this album you know coming out like 10 years later you know it's sort of seeing how that man has grown and how he has now become a father himself and things like i think it's the more i listen to this album i fucking love it um at first i thought some beats weren't as good but it's so good though well i I think i think you i heard somebody else also refer to this as um that this can be uh it could be a Broadway production. Like, yeah, you, it's literally, yeah, 100%. it's, it's mm-hmm. an album through and through. There's a concept that it is executed to the highest degree. Um, I think it's important for, uh, obviously you're right that there's some of the stuff in the album that we can't as, uh, as white dudes can't, can't, we can hear and understand and listen, but we can't, uh, or we can hear and empathize with and listen, um, but we'll never understand because we're not in that position. But I yeah. also think there's a lot of messaging in this that it's not that can be translated to anybody. Like I, think yeah, that's so- what I'm trying to say is that Kendrick's so good at like translating it, right? Yeah. Like, in, and it's, you and know, there's there's stuff in it that's definitely about his from his perspective as a black man in America and him growing up and his career that a lot of us, we can't necessarily um, we can understand the kind of concept, but we can't mm-hmm. understand and we can empathize with him, but we can't understand the actual like generational trauma or the, 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 the things that, that are not part of our culture or things that we haven't had to face. But I think it's important for people to listen to it because he delivers it in such a way where you can kind of learn from it. Um, and then on top of that, there's a lot of stuff in it where that you can apply to anybody. The songs about the father, the song about, um, you know, uh, uh, mother, I sober about him, 
going through all the things that happened to him in his life and going to ther- being his wife getting go- getting therapy for him and him coming to to terms with it and becoming at peace with himself and then following it by mirror which is him saying I'm going to bet on myself I'm not going to you know and there's so much in it that's like really really um strong and good messaging and even like people have a problem with um auntie diaries especially with the worst the use of the slur in there but the whole point of the song is that yeah the whole point of the song <laughs> like the whole last verse is him talking about the word yeah like, and it about yeah. the, and the whole point of saying it was to to highlight that it that now he realizes that it's that it's and, bad to say and he also structures the verses as his perspective of age so the first verse he's coming from a perspective of an elementary school kid then the second verse is him coming from like middle school high school and then obviously at the end he's speaking from a current perspective and he even acknowledges the one time where he brought up the white chick and the white chick said the n-word for rapping his song and he got yeah. mad and it's like and that's the last line it's like yeah. you can't say if you're not going to let a white chick say and it's like that that's a very valid point and it really and it you and know, also it, and also it's, like it's, there's him talking about coming in that song coming to terms with choosing your heart over what other people will tell you or what mm-hmm. uh what religion will tell you but to follow your heart to treat people with you know, does God speak through the heart or through the word? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's just, I, I applaud him for standing up um, yeah. in his, and and for speaking on something and speaking on his own faults. Yeah. And spe- it's I also just think people thing. on Twitter are insanely wild to like come at Kendrick and be like, he's misgendering people. It's like, this is his song. This is his story to fucking tell. Like, are you trying to criticize a man for the way he's telling his story? Like, Fuck yeah. you. I don't know. And man. also in the song, it makes perfect fucking sense because it's about him learning. Yeah. And I mean and grasping it, this shit. And at the and there is a point where he and at the start he is saying that he didn't understand and that to him his auntie was still his auntie, but then he starts understanding and the pronouns change. Like it's it's really in, it's so smart. Like everything it's, that yeah, he does no, it's, in this, it's uh, fucking, in this album he's is, a wordsmith. Is, like he is is he is obviously Pulitzer Prize winning Kendrick Lamar. Like his the the everything that he says on this album is uh is Im- immaculate. Like there's not a, st- a step out of out of place. There's not a misstep like like there are some songs that are that some people might say, oh, they're weaker songs or they don't really like them as much or anything like that. But this could be a Broadway show. This could be something mm-hmm. that you go and you see on a on a stage. It, this is you have to kind of listen to it front to back. And I would highly recommend anybody who hasn't done that, who's only looked at the songs that people on Twitter say are good or whatever. Sit down, give yourself an hour, listen to this album and really focus on what it is he's saying and focus on the musicality of it, the interludes, the the re- recurring motifs and audio kind of like uh, the audio themes that are in it. Um, and just in, just take it as a whole, as an album, as a, as a kind of like a, a something to a program to be executed. He, he planned it, he meticulously made it. And then he, he took his idea and executed it flawlessly with vulnerability, with honesty, with skill. I just think that as I listen to this more and more, 
it's masterpiece. Like it's incredible. Yeah. And um and congratulations to him. And again, as as Otis said so clearly, we are two white dudes from Ontario. There's a lot of things that we won't connect to, but um having listened to Kendrick Lamar for so long and uh and you know being so yeah. excited for him to put out music when I first listened to it, I thought it was really good. Like I was like, this is incredible. This is amazing. I texted you, I texted you and said, this shit's like immaculate. But then when I really sat down and listened to it driving down here yesterday, I, uh, I was just overwhelmed. Like I, after it was done, I had to not listen to anything for like 20 minutes. I was just like, I can't believe that this is somebody made this. Like it's art. It is yeah, art. Like <laughs> it is, if you want the definition of of music as art, this is music as art in the realm of hip hop. Like this is, it's high high level stuff, and yeah. and also as someone who is not of that culture, listening to someone from that culture so clearly and and um and expressively and emotively and intelligently express certain things that he has had to face that I might not have, I learned something from it. Yes. And that's like, it's just like incredible. It's just incredible. So shout out Kendrick Lamar. I don't know what else to say. Biggest biggest phrases for uh, Kendrick. Um, Yeah. So talk about high art. If you want to come see some uh, low art. (laughs) No, not necessarily low art, but uh, you know, something you know, not as thought provoking and something just necessarily for the evilness of evil. Please come to the Snow Blinded premiere on June 16th at the Apollo Theater in Kitchener. And, you know, if maybe that's not your bag and you want just something, you know, a little less horrifying, I also got you. Come out to the uh, Regicide premiere at the Princess Cinema on June 26th. Um, yeah, tickets available online. Or I, I, the regicide premiere might be free. I'm not sure, but snow blinded, go to snowblindedmovie.com for tickets. And yeah. Um, I assumed we were done. Uh, so. yeah. I mean, I guess we're pretty much done. Um, yeah, we'll talk about other stuff, uh, next week. Um, I believe the, the movie we are doing next week is Ichi the killer. We're doing, yeah. We're doing Takashi Mike's, Ishi the killer. Um, uh, fucking just gonna do absolute freak mode. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go freak mode on it. Um, I'm down in the States for a little bit, uh, but uh, so it might be coming a little bit late on uh, a little bit late in the week next week, uh, but probably we'll try to get it out for you on Friday. Um, and uh, and then uh, we got one more for our Japanese cinema appreciation uh, month. Uh, and then we're going to go back into our regularly scheduled stuff. Uh, Ichi the Killer next week. Check it out if you haven't uh, seen it. Uh, if you have any uh, 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 thoughts or opinions or, uh, you know, you want to you wanna talk to us about, about Ghibli or anything like that, you can contact us on, uh, on our social medias or you can send us an email. I believe our email is in our bio. Um, yes. Bird protocol at Gmail. Yeah. And please, as we said at the start, uh, give us some, give us some five stars, give us some, 
uh, share us with the people you love. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening. Um, Review. Oh, wait. Yeah, the last one, the the last thing that I was going to say, I do finally have some music coming. Um, I'm dropping the third single off of On Infinite Repeat, the Anxiety Weekend album. I know it's been a little bit delayed. Uh, I'm sure next episode or next Lazy Bird, you will hear all about how my house pretty much fell apart and uh, over the past couple couple weeks and uh, I've just been behind um, but I am finally dropping the third single of that in the next week or two and I'm dropping three songs from High Strangeness as an EP to tide you over for that as well so some raps are coming your way uh, and we've got yeah check out Regicide check out um, uh, Snow Blinded and how is your comedy show your comedy show is good yeah, it was it was good. I I thought it went well. Um, the crowd was kind of weird. Um, they really did not like my uh, dead kids residential school material. But hey, you know what? That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> uh, I really won them over with the dick jokes, though. They love dick jokes. That's the thing about like that's the thing about middle aged people. I don't know how to gauge the audience. Like I, I do well. I do well with the 20, 30-year-old audience. I do really well. I know how to fucking crush for that age. But, like, I think I think 40-year-old, 50-year-old people think I'm too mean for them. Uh, and I think they realize that a lot of my jokes are making fun of their generation. Ah. Um, uh, well, yeah. you know what? Nothing, there's, there's nothing quite as uh, humbling as realizing you're the butt of a joke, and a lot of people can't take that. So, uh, yeah. you know. It's like uh, it's like watching. Uh, I'm sure Amber Heard's career after this uh, trial is going to be a fun realization for her. Anyway, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, it's uh, I'm at p a l m r e a d r on Instagram or uh, at p l m r d r on Twitter. Uh, where can they find you? Uh, follow me, Otis Morris, dude, on Twitter and Instagram, and yeah, also. Go on the go on Instagram because I'm going to be dropping some silly songs there. Um, yeah, I have a bunch of like silly, stupid songs that I've recorded and just have them stockpiled and don't really know what to do with them. So I think I'm just going to put them up on Instagram. I don't want to. I don't really think I'll put them up on like streaming or anything because uh, they're just really dumb songs. But I think they belong on Instagram. I think. Maybe like, yeah, I just need more Instagram content because everyone's about the content. So if you yeah, want I mean, content, I'll be dropping some be on content the, on the content grind set like Kiki. Um, yes. Uh, all right. Well, that was us talking about Kiki's delivery service. I uh, hope you guys have a fantastic weekend and uh, we'll be back next week with Ichi the Killer. Uh, as always, please remember to uh, initiate the protocol. Peace. Yeah. Watch, watch out for the geese. Geese.